Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. You can find me online at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. There, you can book sessions in person or remotely. You can subscribe to this show through NOLA Therapy on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. And if you like what you've been hearing, please support this show through my Patreon campaign. There is a link at NOLA Therapy to do so. I want to jump right into introducing my guest. She has so much to offer us. I'll be speaking momentarily with Dr. Judy Orloff. She's a New York Times bestselling author of six books, And today, we are discussing her recent release called The Empath's Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People. Dr. Orloff is Clinical Faculty of Psychiatry at UCLA. She has a clinical psychotherapy private practice in Los Angeles, specializing in treating empaths and highly sensitive people, which is what we'll be talking about today. Her work is prolific and has been featured in O Magazine, Newsweek, The Wall Street Journal, Self, Cosmo, The Washington Times, Scientific America, Forbes, The New York Post, WebMD, AOL Health, Beliefnet.com, iVillage, and Dr. Orloff has appeared on The Today Show, The Dr. Oz Show, Good Morning America Health, CNN, PBS, NPR, and Fox News. I suggest watching her TEDx talk on the ecstasy of surrender. It's really informative about how to go with the flow of life. And I think I might have lost her. So let me see. Dr. Orloff? I'm, let me give her a call again. I think the call dropped. Hang on with me, listeners. Hello? Dr. Orloff? Yeah. We are live. I think the call dropped while I was doing the introduction. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you for being with us. I am really excited to talk about your work with highly sensitive people and empaths, and I wonder where you would like to begin. Uh, Well, I've written a book called The Empath Survival Guide, which just came out, which is really a survival guide for empaths and highly sensitive people. Um, because I'm, I'm a psychiatrist, I'm also an empath. And what that means is that I am open and intuitive um, and sensitive, but I tend to absorb things like an emotional sponge. So I have to learn strategies how not to do that um, and still be have all my other sensitivities intact. So I wanted to write this book to share with everyone out there, and I know there's so many empaths and sensitive people out there, um, to give them strategies how to thrive. 
So might we start by defining what empathy is and what an empath is for our listeners? I know in your book you outline different assessments that one can take to see where they fit on this spectrum. Yes, well, empathy is the ability to feel what's going on in someone else. If somebody is going through a hardship or if somebody is going through a joy, you you feel it. Your heart resonates with that. Mm-hmm. But an empath is different because an empath will take on someone else's suffering or someone else's joy literally into their own bodies. And so they're emotional sponges. So on the empathic spectrum, empathy is more in the middle of it. And empaths are way high on the spectrum because they're so sensitive. And not only do they sense what's going on in others or in environments, they take it on. And that can be a plus if you're around positive people or a positive environment or workplace, or it can really wipe you out and exhaust you if you're not. And you talk about empaths having different filters and even, you know, different systems of recognizing and storing and processing information. I, I really liked an article you did in Forbes about uh, the science behind intuition, where you talked about even brain development being being different, the white matter that connects the left and right brain hemispheres and females being thicker, corpus callosum, and making us typically more sensitive. Can you talk some about that? Um, yes, there's um, definitely um, a difference with intuition. Um, intuition is nonlinear knowledge that comes through gut feelings and hunches. And, and there's a, a brain science behind it, as there is um, with empaths. And it's thought that empaths have a hyperactive mirror neuron system in the brain. And the mirror neurons are the neurons that are responsible for compassion. And so empaths are thought to have excess mirror neurons, whereas on the other end of the scale, narcissists, who I talk about in my book as well, um, have an empathy deficient disorder meaning they don't have empathy as we know it. Mm-hmm. And so in the brain, the neurons are literally thought to be different in empaths. It's really fascinating. How did you realize this about yourself, Dr. Orloff? Well, as I wrote in the book, I'm, I was an empath child, and I, I couldn't go into shopping malls or crowded places um, and without walking out feeling anxious or depressed or with some ache or pain I didn't have before. And I didn't realize what would happen, but I went to my mother, who was a doctor, and she would say, oh, no, dear, you just need to get a thicker skin, which, of course, makes a sensitive child feel terrible mm-hmm. as you don't know how to do that or you feel like there's something wrong with you. So I was always a really, really sensitive, intuitive child, but I never had any support. For my abilities you see so yeah. it, it wasn't something that I, I grew up with that where I felt comfortable and so it was only you know as I've gone through my own spiritual path and I had my own teachers that you know I've learned about the capacities of the human body and the human spirit that we can sense and know things that rational science you know says that it's impossible and so I really got interested in in treating empaths as I do in my private practice in Los Angeles and sharing, you know, with other empaths and sensitive people 
and saying you're not neurotic there's nothing wrong with you you know you have sensitivities and they're a gift and this is how you can nurture them with these strategies it sounds like you really had to pave your own way with learning why you were so sensitive what that truly was about using it to help patients in your medical practice and as a professor and so it's kind of like you developed along your journey ways to care for yourself as you outline in the book can you talk to us about some of those ways that are important for empaths to utilize and just navigating being out in the world um yes there's so many things that empaths can do and i have a chapter on protecting yourself from energy vampires including narcissists because empaths are often attracted to narcissists and these are people who can be very charming and lovely in the beginning and seductive in the beginning but really lack empathy so when you get to know them they become cold withholding and punishing and so i would suggest that anybody who's dealing with a narcissist or other kinds of of people who are energy drainers to go right to the chapter in the empath survival guide on combating energy vampires because you need to have strategies and with a narcissist you've got to really lower your expectations with them if you have a narcissist boss like the patient i've had many patients with narcissistic bosses and the only way to deal with them is to frame something in terms of how an action will serve them for instance if somebody wants to take a vacation you can you know say i think it would benefit your company if i took my vacation on these days rather than i'm just so exhausted and i need a rest because narcissists won't respond to your feelings they'll respond to something that will serve them so that change in attitude it's very tedious ego stroking but you know if you are dealing with one it it is a, a strategy that will work i thought that was a really great takeaway to phrase something that one needs for themselves for self-care and in a manner that they can be heard by a narcissist employer for for example that was really cool yeah yeah well it's empaths really need to study the people in their lives and that's what i suggest in the book where you take an inventory of the people in your lives and find out who the positive ones are and also find out who might be a drainer. Other drainers I talk about in the book are the chronic talker, somebody who takes you hostage with, you know, just endless talking. What do you do? How do you deal with them? Or the drama queen or the victim, somebody who keeps you on the phone for two hours with their woe me story but aren't interested in solutions. You see, all of this can drain sensitive people, so they're just exhausted all the time dealing with all these drainers, as opposed to you know, having the three-minute phone call that I talk about in the book, where you just limit your talking with the person, let's say they're a friend, you care about them, for three minutes, and that's it, where you don't let a person go on and on and on and on, so that you're just exhausted after two hours of listening to them. That is the form of self-care. Now, to say, you know... I can only listen for three minutes unless you want to really focus on solutions. And the tone of voice is very critical that you use with people. If you're loving and firm, that will go a long ways as opposed to demanding angry or whiny. Yeah. 
Definitely so. You know, I, I like as well, Dr. Orloff, where you talk about protection strategies and self-care practices. The one specifically that's coming to mind right now is where you talk about putting a hand over one's heart and, and imagining mm-hmm. someone, something that you love. And, and I've experienced it just shifting energy immediately to just think of someone, something you love and send that to your heart. Can you tell us more about the strategies you've developed for yourself and for others to utilize? Yeah, and from my patients, it's something I teach every patient and definitely all the empaths that I'm treating, uh, where if you want to recenter yourself, if you're feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, or you just want to reconnect to yourself, put your hand over your heart energy center, which is in the middle of the chest, not over to the left where your anatomic heart is. It's right in the center of the chest. You put your hand there, you close your eyes, you take a few deep breaths, and you focus on something you really love. It can be a seagull or the blue sky or the ocean, whatever you really love, and just focus on that as you breathe and you have your hand over your heart. And what this does is this activates the heart chakra so that you can begin to feel little feelings of warmth or tingling or little shots of love coming from your heart. And the more you do that, the more those feelings will increase. And as they increase, that will be very nourishing for you and it can feel even blissful or ecstatic. So this heart meditation is one of the practices I use as an empath every day. Mm -hmm. And I also use it in between patients where the way I center myself in patients, um, it's a way of connecting to my heart and just feeling good. It's just such a great form of self-care that empaths and really all people can use. It is. It feels like a little energy boost just in in the moment that, that you do it. I'm doing it right now as we're talking. Yeah, so will you talk to us about the difference between an empath and a highly sensitive person? Because I think those terms get thrown around interchangeably often. Yeah, well, it just I'll I'll go back to the empathic spectrum that we were discussing before, where you have on the high end of the empathy spectrum, you have the empath. And then a little bit down from that, you have the highly sensitive person. And a little bit down from that, you have regular empathy where your heart goes out to somebody else but a highly sensitive person is usually sensitive to too much talking to bright of light sounds uh scratchy clothes so all the sensory elements that empaths also have where they're sensitive to all these things highly sensitive people have and they treasure their alone time but what highly sensitive people don't share with empaths is they don't typically absorb other people's energy into their own body mm-hmm nor do they have the intuitive skills that I talk about in the Empath Survival Guide where I have a chapter on intuitive empaths. Yes. Empaths who have highly developed intuition, which if you're just a highly sensitive person, I don't think you would ordinarily have that. But, you know, if you're highly sensitive and an empath, which is possible, um, you could be an earth empath where you sense the earth changes or a plant empath where you can communicate with plants or an animal empath. Those are just a few where you have deep communion with the animal kingdom. Yeah, there are mediumship empaths as well that you talk about with abilities to talk to those on the other side. Right, yeah. So you can have a lot of far-out 
ability to sense actually be empathic, you know, with the animals or on the other side or the earth, um, and even telepathic empaths where you can, you know, get to know what people, who people are without them telling you, mm-hmm. the mind-to-mind communication. So there are all kinds of skills that empaths have that highly sensitive people don't typically share. So it's a perfect combination of being a psychotherapist, I think, as you do in your work and help your patients and educate other doctors to combine the the medical science with spirit, with intuition, with that whole field of of energy and, and pull them together and then channel that through you and out to be of service and to help. Oh, absolutely. And I feel pretty passionate about training other therapists and healthcare professionals to integrate their empath skills into their work. And I'm, I'm doing a, a workshop just for healthcare professionals next, next March. And it's just how do you incorporate intuition and, and being an empath into healthcare. And that's going to be at multi university up in the Santa Cruz mountains. It's on my website. Oh, that's great. Um, but, yeah, I know. It'll be fantastic. I also have a CD called Becoming an Intuitive Healer, which is out now, which is a four day course for healthcare professionals. Yes. To integrate intuition. Yeah. So that, that's available now. But I, I feel so strongly that this is the new wave of healthcare where you, you know, have the empath therapist, well balanced, well grounded, not absorbing your patient's pain, but being able to sense and know things that, maybe therapists who are trained just mentally and their intellectual minds can't do. Yes, and I want to let listeners know, since you mentioned your website, for people listening, Dr. Orloff's website is com, and there are a host of resources there. There are online courses. There is her blog. You can ask questions. There is audio programs available, DVDs, and you're doing a training at the Esalen Institute coming up July 28th to 30th. Also, can you tell us about that? Yes, that's up in the gorgeous Big Sur, California. And I'm offering it for empaths, sensitive people. We're offering CEUs for healthcare professionals who want to attend. Um, and so it's a workshop on igniting your intuition and your empathy. And how do you use this in your life without getting sapped dry, you know, how, without getting drained? How do you flourish as a sensitive, intuitive person? And we'll talk about strategies on how not to absorb other people's stress. Very basic. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the most beautiful environment in the world. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's, it's so on the ocean. Redwood forest, beautiful natural gardens. They have natural mineral, mineral springs at Esalen. So it's a true retreat, but I'm a big believer in, in real retreats, just getting away from your normal environment to learn and be and, you know, get re in touch with yourself. So the the uh, retreat is on July 28th through 30th of this month. Yes. You know, Dr. Orloff, when I was reading your book and, and such, I wish that this was available 18, 19, 20 years ago when I was being trained as a therapist because though I had some amazing models of, of you know, how to do some really deep trauma work and healing, which is what I've specialized in the last 18 years, yeah. there, you know, I, I would have these thoughts like a 
client would come in and I'd know things about them. And I thought I was crazy for years. And now I've learned that that's being an intuitive psychotherapist and that, you know, I get messages about people that over the course of our work, now I've learned to trust that voice and just ask certain questions earlier on, you know, as, as I feel led to. Um, cause I know you talk in your, in your book, thank you as well, about sometime we might get a piece of information if it's not helpful for a patient, you know, certainly don't disclose it. So using some wisdom to discern what needs to be shared at what time, you know, in the service of help, uh, of this person's healing. I just wish I knew so many years ago what I was experiencing to, to be able to tap into it with more certainty and confidence earlier on, but I'm glad to know now. So it's, you know, never too late, I think, to to tap into oh, yeah. intuitive skills and use them. Oh, it's never, it's never too late. Whenever, you know, the gift arises and you're comfortable with it, you can help so many people. You know, just, I mean, I, I don't know what you find, but I just have so many patients coming to me looking for a different kind of a psychotherapy that has been offered. They want mind, body, spirit. They want yes. their empath self seen. They want their, their intuition acknowledged. They want to be co-partners in, in healing their own bodies, you know, rather than just accepting the patriarchal model of medicine, you know. So, it's a, you know, that's what people are asking for is this new kind of psychotherapist to integrate, as you do, you know, all of these qualities. And as well for you, that your passion, one of your passions is to to shift the paradigm of conventional, conventional medicine to include the body's subtle energy systems. You talk about that in your book, and it's just so awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's one big thing missing in the traditional healthcare paradigm is the appreciation of the subtle energy system in the body, that we have these subtle energies that penetrate the body and extend way beyond them. And empaths and sensitive people can sense the energy around the body. And that's really palpable to me as an empath. It's just as real as anything you're saying. You know, what you give off energetically, I feel it. And so, you know, it exists. But a lot of physicians, unfortunately, still don't know that. And so the problem is if empaths go to that type of person. They're not really seen and heard for their experiences, and that's really a travesty. And then they get over-medicated, I was which just, is not the treatment for empath. I was just thinking that, Dr. Orloff. I watched earlier your PBS uh, interview on Between the Lines with Barry Kubrick, and you spoke about that. Yeah. that you know, in, that sensitive people highly sensitive people empaths are often medicated and their bodies are so sensitive they don't need a lot if any medication i think they just need to understand what they're experiencing and why and learn how to protect oneself what would you say to that oh absolutely so many of my empath patients i recommend they take a sliver of of the doses it depends on what i don't know i can't generalize with medications here but you know, like with those that do need to go on a little antidepressant to boost their serotonin, a lot of them respond to a sliver of selector rather than, you know, a whole 10 or 20 milligram dosage. Mm-hmm. And if you give a 20 milligrams of selector to an empath, it's too much. Yeah. You know, it's just too much to bear for their sensitive system. But traditional medicine will say, oh, no, a little sliver can't do anything. But that's so not true. 
So how no, do you- so it's just a new way of, of thinking about it. And also, I feel strongly as a therapist that I want to listen to my patients' bodies. I want to see how they're responding, you know, and how they're feeling. And I believe their experience of things. You know, I'm wondering how your colleagues take your your work, Dr. Orloff, with being um, with other psychiatrists specifically. How do they view the the literature and books that you're putting out here on this topic? I think the people who are more into integrative medicine right. are so open and grateful and welcoming it. And, and in fact, you know, I just got invited to speak at the American Psychiatric Association meetings next year in New York. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With some other, with a symposium with other physicians about these topics. That's so, awesome. I mean, that's huge. Congratulations. That's really a step forward. That is really fantastic to get this word out. Like, doctors need to know. I know in New Orleans, where I have a practice, besides in Los Angeles, the psychiatrists that work with some of my clients, um, you know, like, I would just love for them to, to have this material at their disposal to, to use and treating clients it would be so helpful to treat the whole person absolutely well they can get the empath survival guide and i'm also offering an eight-week um empath course in late september for two months with sounds true so people uh, one and once a week online empath educational course for healthcare professionals and all others which i'll be on the call you know yeah once a week so that's Check on my website, I will. you know, coming up. I will. So I wanted to talk also, because this book is just rich with information, empaths regarding love and sex and intimate relationships. Because when we met last month was at Aura Nadrich's Sacred Sunday. A shout out to Aura for introducing us. And you were there with your partner, Corey Folsom, and you both talked about navigating a relationship. Can you, can you share with right. your listeners about this? Yeah, it takes certain skills to live with an empath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because I, you know, Corey and I were talking about, um, you know, living with an empath and what it's like for him to live with me. And he's a, a tantric, uh, certified tantric practitioner and, and sexuality relationship coach. So that helps. Yeah. You know, that helps in terms of his like, emotional IQ. And, um, I haven't really lived, as an empath, I really haven't lived with anybody for, you know, a long time, for many, many years. And he and I are living together, so it's a big experiment and stretch mm-hmm. for me as an empath to have someone else in my space, you know, and to share a space, our space. And so we, we talked about that, how that, that can be challenging, and, and we're, you know, been together for years, so it's, you know, longer than, <laughs> yeah, you know, for... <laughs> for me, them well, and from- you know, it's a, so. But be, but I just want to say I have a mate who will work with me on all of all of you know my need to be alone, my sensitivities, 
like going into my cave when I'm writing, you know, all these things. Yes, that was obvious by the just watching you all interact with each other. And, and as you wrote in your book, talking about, you know, being able, it's really important for empaths to communicate authentically and set clear boundaries yeah. about what their needs are so that they can feel at ease, not, you know, not be overlooked or feeling overwhelmed. So how do you help patients and how did you help yourself to articulate those needs to your partner, for example, as in the relationship with Corey? Oh, Corey helps me mm-hmm. because I'm a, I kind of hide my my empath needs, and that's the doom of a relationship. You can't be inauthentic because everything eventually blows. And you know what happens to me in the past is I just bolt out of a relationship because none of my needs are really being addressed because I don't bring them up. You know, I I just try. I I don't know. I felt very. It's been very difficult for me to be honest with them, let's put it that way, until recently. And he, as my partner, encourages me because he loves it and he responds so positively when I can do it. And he really has encouraged me not to let things build up, which is what I do. Yeah. Um, and to just talk about things when they happen. And that helps me as an empath feel understood, feel loved, feel that he can handle it. I always felt I was too intense and men can't handle me. You know, all these old beliefs that I have to slowly, you know, re, you know, reprogram myself. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so used to being the independent woman alone. Yes. I hear you talking about emotional safety, that, that Corey provides yeah. that really safe space and place for you to expose your authentic self. Exactly, and he's a, a tantric coach and relationship coach, so he works with people all the time, you know, on these skills. So I feel like that serves me really well in our relationship. Yeah, I'm, I'm interviewing him next week, and I'm so excited to hear more about his work. Oh, great, great. Yeah, but well, my my point is is that it's really important for an empath to speak up about your emotional needs if you're dating somebody. You know, to just tell them, you know, I'm really sensitive. I need alone time and see what their response is. Mm-hmm. You know, if they say, oh, that's really great. You know that about yourself? Yay, go forward. You know, if they say, oh, really? Are you going to change that? You know, what's wrong with you? Just, no, <laughs> unacceptable. Yeah. So that's not a good sign. So you can test people out to see how receptive they are to embracing you and your gifts. Well, and this comes up in your book in many different ways. My experience of of being an empath and in relationships is wanting to make someone else feel comfortable so much that I yeah. do. I yeah. have silenced that voice where someone might think I'm happy when really I'm not because I just want to provide that right. safe space for them, yeah. hoping that they'll reciprocate without saying I need you to you know help me feel safe also. So it's been really yes. great to hear the different ways you keep, you know, speaking in this book about to let your voice be heard. And it's okay to share that, that you do have needs. And there's some things that one might not be okay with. Like when you talk about empaths sometimes sleeping with someone in the same bed, they might, you know, need to have their own side of the bed and approach the partner instead of the partner laying all over them, you know, to just really talk about what your boundaries are in, in that regards as well, just as an example. Yeah, and the cuddle hold. You know, one of my empath patients, you know, she would have this, she had this new boyfriend and he would grab her in the cuddle hold all night. 
And I think this just made her so uncomfortable. And she finally spoke up about it because she needed her space when she slept. But she was being quiet. And then, of course, you're fuming with anger and you're uncomfortable. And, and you can't sleep. It's a bad situation. <laughs> but but non-empaths need to know that they need to be, they can't be clung to like that. And unless the empath likes it, if the empath likes it, that's a different story. And I mean, so it's all in, a, in an individual basis. You have to see what you like. But I'm talking about this to give empaths permission to express your needs. Maybe you need to sleep alone. So maybe you need to sleep alone occasionally. I don't know what your needs are, but I know many empaths, you know, need to dialogue about these topics with their mates. Definitely. And it's okay, and they're creative conversations, so you just have to make sure that your mate doesn't feel like they've done anything wrong. Yes. And I use that specific example because yesterday, as I was reading your book to prepare for our show, I did a phone session with a client dating someone new, and everything's going great except for sleeping in the same bed. She cannot sleep. She's up all night. And I had literally just finished reading where you talk about, why don't you ask your partner, you know, maybe stay on your side of the bed and let me touch you and see how that feels. And I offered that to her as well as your book. And she just thought it was amazing. She's like, oh my God, I think this might fix everything. You know, I've never told <laughs> him. Great. Yeah, because he loves to cuddle and, you know, she doesn't. So I was like, well, it, you know, in this book, Dr. Olaf is talking about, you know, it's okay to let him know that. I'm sure he wants you to be happy sleeping with him in the bed. Yeah. You know, just let him know. So thank you. And I'm sure my client will thank you too when I ask her next week, how did that go? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you you have to make sure that when you talk to, you know, your partner about it, that you have to say, I care about you. I love you. Yes. I love being near you. I love being with you, but I just need more space sleeping. Right. So what other... Yeah, so you, you've sorry, got to couch it in a lot of positive. Yeah, and we went through that, too, just because she is loving the relationship. And this is just the one kind of off piece of it to, to talk about with love right. and concern and care. Right, exactly. What other things would you offer for an empath in love and such for people listening to know that are important? To carve out your alone time. You know, if you're an empath, to be able to have your time where you're just staring into space or walking on the beach or doing nothing, whatever you want to do, and also being in water, empaths, you know, really need to be in water. I know with Corey, we had, in the beginning, you couldn't believe how long I stayed in the bathtub, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, could stay, I could stay an hour, hour and a half, because it's really my place of refuge, and I, I dream, I go into trance, I feel, I just feel so good there. I'm just, I drift off, but it can be a long time, and he's, you know, the beginning, he was like waiting for me to get into bed, <laughs> and that's, that's not a good scenario. You know, that's pressuring me in my bathtub. That's hilarious. So I can see that. Y'all working this out. Trying, he's like, what is going on in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we had to talk, talk, talk. And we're, we still are talking. So it, it takes a lot of communication. You know, where now, you know, he doesn't sit and wait for me to get out of the bathtub. You know, he just gives me unpressured time he goes and does his thing and so that's not an issue anymore um so but it was an issue and then i thought oh my god am i to be in a relationship does that mean i have to rush out of my tub you know that can't be you know if right. my tub is my 
sanctuary. Yeah. And then I'm imagining he, Corey, or just someone else, you know, outside of your relationship, that other partner can find something to do in that time. Maybe they can surf the web if that's what they like or, you know, catch up right. with friends while, while you're doing what you need to do in the bathtub. So I think each person can use that time accordingly for, for oneself. Right, exactly. And it's naturally evolved into he, he doesn't wait around for me when I'm in the bathtub, basically. Yeah. So that that was good. That was a good shift. But in the past, with the with the relationship, I wouldn't say anything. I would just cut my my bath short. Mm-hmm. You know, if that happened, that's just an example. And then, you know how that makes me feel? Terrible. It makes me feel pressured. It makes me feel not myself. It makes me feel, you know, like I can't be me in a relationship, and I need to be alone. So that was my past pattern. So. I'm breaking new new um, barriers for myself by just speaking up, and you know he's not going to leave. You know, my, the fear is if you bring up, you know, all this stuff, you're just going to be too much of a project, or just my fear, you know, or too much work. And you know, we've had he goes, "Do I look like I'm going anywhere?" You know, I love you. I want to hear this. That's awesome. So, it's taken adjustment on my part to believe that. Yeah. So this is just my, my process as an empath in love. And so it takes a lot of stretching, and, and it's so worth it. And it's some, something I want to do. My soul, I've always wanted to be in a long-term intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always wanted it. So that's why I'm. all this effort is worth it for me. But I just want to say for other empaths, it's not essential that you're in this kind of relationship. It's not better or worse. It just depends if your soul needs it or not. Yeah. You know, and, and going through your book and being reflective, um, just there's so many, I just, I don't know that I, I know I didn't have the awareness as I was going through certain relationships, how much I believed that to be loved was about being a good provider, making money, keeping the house clean, like buying gifts, like cooking, like doing things that I thought this person, you know, will get them to love me because I can do so much in the take action way, but I really wasn't experiencing my beingness, you know, and and letting them know what I need also. And it's just such a reassuring message in your book that we can let partners, potential partners know what we need. And that is kind of an assessment tool to see, is this the right relationship or not? Because we're not too much to make requests of things that we need to stay happy and healthy you know, because we also want to be with someone and experience a committed partnership. So I found it really right. helpful to just have this kind of like reiterated in all the different ways that, that you share it in the book. Right. Oh, I'm glad. And I hope that other empaths can feel that too, because you do have to open up your mouth if you want to be in a relationship. You do have to begin to honor your own needs. Mm-hmm. And it first starts with you honoring your needs and somehow including another being into your sphere of of energy, of life. You know, how do you include another person? And plus, I was an only child, so I was always used to being alone from the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you share some good stories about growing up. I forgot what it was, your mom being a doctor and bringing Mick Jagger's soup. Can you talk at all about how you grew up? Because there were some really cool stories that I saw during it, all the stuff I've been reading about you and watching. 
Yeah, I grew up an only child, and I had two parents who were physicians, and I have 25 physicians in my family, so I had this very logical, linear, scientific heritage. Mm-hmm. And my mother was, you know, my model for being a doctor. I would go on house calls with her, and, you know, these, these were in the old days where, you know, my mother would spend time with her patients. She, I would watch her listening with a stethoscope to her patient's heart. I would just observe all this, and she was so caring and deep and took so much time with her patients, went to their house when they used to do house calls. And so, you know, she was really my role model. You know, as a, as a doctor, though, she didn't have, never encourage my intuitive abilities. Okay. Um, and, and she had a, a big celebrity practice. She was a family practitioner, and, and when I was, you know, I don't know, I think it was a teenager or maybe a little younger, I went to the hospital with her and she made chicken soup for Mick Jagger, who was in the hospital, and that was my God. I was just so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> was your mom an empath? My mother... I wrote a book. My first book was called Second Sight, which is about my memoir as a psychiatrist and intuitive. How did I come into that? And my mother was a psychic. She was an empath, and she never wanted me to know that and reveal that to me on her deathbed, which I write about, because she never wanted people to think I was strange or weird, and she especially wanted me to fit in as a physician. And she just wanted me to be, quote, normal, her version of, of normal she even there's a country club here called Hillcrest in in Beverly Hills she even wanted me to go there I never wanted to go there and she kept my membership going very expensive membership until the end and I never went there yeah you know but she wanted me to be straight and narrow in the middle midstream and I never was and so you know that was the conflict we had and that's why she didn't share with me her gifts and, and my grandmother's gift, who was also a, an intuitive and healer in Philadelphia during the time of the Depression. So I learned about all that when my mother was dying, and I write about that in Second Sight. How beautiful you're able to fully actualize those gifts now so, so prolifically. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. it's a joy. It's a pure joy. And, you know, we go through our journeys because they're perfect for us. And at the time... You know, when I was a child, not being understood, it was very painful for me. Um, but, you know, now it's really different. That was a springboard for me to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And so now I can help others who feel misunderstood, you know, with their sensitivities and be pretty grounded in it myself. You know, it, it's a challenge always being an empath. Every day is new yeah. in terms of energy and being able to set real clear limits and boundaries for myself if I make a plan for instance and I don't feel like going out because I'm too tired or I need interior time I'll have to cancel it mm-hmm. you know and it that has never been easy for me so it's forever learning and growing and tuning into intuition every day in my body and seeing what I need not that I'm totally self-absorbed but just I need to listen and I need to not push myself too much, you know, so that I can have high energy and I can feel good and I can be present for people. You know, it's all related. It is. And just the way that you work, what you're putting out here with your books and your seminars and the 
the audio programs, you're, you're functioning at such a high level and giving so much that it doesn't sound selfish at all that, that you're needing to really conserve your energy to put it where you want it to go and, and find yeah, that I balance have to. each day. I have to, otherwise I'll just be, you know, exhausted on the bed. Yeah, and not be able to help so many people. Right, yeah, exactly. So it's about, you know, self-care, really strongly self-care for empaths. And I work with so many empaths who don't give themselves that. They come to me in the beginning of the journey, and they don't give themselves that. And they're so exhausted when they come in, and they have all these physical symptoms that go along with that level of exhaustion. And I just want to mention, I have a Facebook empath support community for those who are listening and would like to connect online uh, with a community of other, I have over 8,000 empaths who talk about these issues all the time. And it's a really great group for those who want to join it. It's called the Empath Support Community on Facebook. I sent a request to that group earlier today. Yes, I found it online oh, you did? as well. Yeah. <laughs> what a great resource. Yeah, it's a really great resource. And there are a lot of healthcare professionals in the group who are empaths. Um, and it's just the really beautiful people working it out, you know, the pain and the joy of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a resource for everyone listening. If you go on Facebook, some empaths can't go on Facebook because it's too overwhelming. Right, right. So being able to manage that for oneself, if, you know, that's a self-care place or not. You know, yeah, so it's, it's an option for people, and um, it's really benefited so many people. And we've gone through, you know, people, empaths who give birth, who are pregnant, and you know, going through that, that process, being an empath, empaths who are parents empaths who are, you know, caregivers for their elderly parents, you know, just every life situation, you know, I, I've watched them, you know, talk about it and get through it as an empath. Mm-hmm. And the theme I hear right now in this last part of the show is the way you've been able to give yourself permission to honor your needs and put them out there in ways you know, to to be connected with others and have that alone time to reconnect with yourself and with spirit. And just, it, it, I really have gotten a strong sense of, what is it, like a, it's okay, Lisa, like it's okay to to do what you need and say cancel something if it, if it doesn't feel like that'll be the right thing to do. So thank you for that modeling of giving yourself permission to say yes and no, because it gives us. Yes that permission yes and, and i want to stress it's an ongoing process mm-hmm. you know every day is, is new so you have to kind of refresh it every day you know because your your needs aren't the same every day you know right. you have to see who you are today who i am today energetically what do i need and what don't i need and and being able to talk about it and i try and limit the amount of stress around me you know external stress that yeah. helps tremendously Oh, it definitely where, yeah, where I I don't you know encourage people or situations that are high stress um, in a negative way. I mean, going on a book tour, you know, inherently has high stresses because of the travel, and that's another challenge for empaths that I write about in the book. You do about being in hotels, yes. 
and using things but, like you know, smudging. Just to generally eliminate, eliminate high-stress people from my life who stress out over little things, that's, that really drives me crazy. It's like a waste <laughs> of, of energy, like those who have not learned to not stress over the, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. And that's mm-hmm. a button for me. I, I just can't be around people sweating all the small stuff. It just drains mm-hmm. me so much. Sure. So what would you like to leave us with? I like to ask guests, what is it that they is most important for them to leave, you know, to be known for? I mean, I think it's quite obvious and how prolific and just how much amazing resources you have put out here through your website. But how would you just like to end our, our time together? Well, just that, you know, if you're just starting today, if you're just hearing the word empath for the first time, you know, really take the self-assessment quiz in, in the front of the empath survival guide and see how many questions you identify with. So you, you can self-diagnose as an empath. It's not hard. You just read the questions and see where you stand on the quiz and then begin to initiate some of the strategies to take care of yourself. You know, and really be honest with yourself. You know, who is my life working for me as an empath? Have I been trying to squash my needs? How can I, you know, honor them more now? How can I honor myself and be around other people who understand me? So you can just start with that. And if you're a healthcare professional and empath, um, I would go to the section in the book on, you know, not absorbing your patient's stress. That's really important so you don't get burnt out know how to be compassionate and loving without absorbing everything that people go through on their spiritual journeys in life. Yes. You know, they go through so much and they need you to be clear and centered and shining a light, but not over identifying and sucking up their stuff. So, and it's all possible. It's all learnable. It's all possible. And then you can really shine as an empath and enjoy your gifts and just connect to the universe and, and to love each day and just feel how intensely beautiful it is. Yes. Dr. Orloff, thank you so much for being my guest today. It means so much and for offering all this to our listening audience. Oh, you're very welcome. And one more time, drjudithorloff.com is the website to go to where you can access her books, programs, and upcoming seminars. Thank you, Dr. Orloff. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes today's show. Please join me next week as I interview Corey Folsom talking about Tantra. Bye-bye. I hope everyone has a great week. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.